Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I am a pure half-breed, 50% Irish on my mother's side and 50% Italian on my father's side. My sister and I, plus our first cousins, all called our Irish grandmother, Nan. None of us remembers how she got the name, but it's all we ever called her. It just felt right. Kathleen Josephine King was the most influential person in my life. Nana lived to be almost 104 years old. In our 53 years together, she taught me so many things, small, large, and everything in between. I am a better person for all of them. Nana taught me how to tie my shoes with bunny ears, to hug someone so they know you mean it, to keep my own score in bowling, to drive her red Chevy Nova in the cemetery, to sing musicals out loud, to root for the Red Sox, and to rely on humor as my lifeboat. Yet more than these essential skills, I remember Nana as the true embodiment of loving kindness, who always lived it from the inside out. She was my role model. She was my hero. I come from a long line of Irish storytellers. James Joyce, Seamus Haney, Iris Murdoch, Maeve Vinci, The Pogues, and you too. Today, I would like to share a few life lessons I learned from my nana. With a panoply of possibilities, I've narrowed the list to three that I hope will resonate with you. Lesson one, make your bed. Nana spent her first six decades living with her mother and an older sister. They died within six months of each other in 1968 and 69. Our mother didn't want Nana living alone, so she came to live with us. I was nine and we shared my small room with twin beds inches apart. I was pretty good about making my bed because it was one of the chores for which I earned 25 cents per week allowance. Nana, however, had bigger plans. Making your bed is the most important way to start your day, she'd tell me. It may seem like a little thing, but it will make you feel so much better than leaving your bed in a mess after you slept in it. Making your bed will help you to face whatever the day brings. I did what I was told, but as a fourth grader, what kinds of challenges did I really have? I think Admiral William H. McRaven was channeling Nana's wisdom in his 2014 commencement address 
at the University of Texas at Austin. He said, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you will never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made, and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. Lesson two, there is a rainbow behind the clouds. Nana was born in 1909 and grew up with four siblings, including a younger sister who died from TB. She attended Catholic elementary school and high school and started out working, started working out of the house as a young teen to help the family make ends meet. Nana sometimes managed to scrape together pin money to buy fabric, sew a pretty dress, and go dancing, her single greatest passion. She married at 22, and at the height of the Great Depression, had two children. By the time she was 30, she had thrown my grandfather out of the house for drinking too much, abusing her, and having the children witness this abuse. As a devout Catholic, Nana would never divorce or say an ill word about her husband. She raised her children in the 1930s through mid-1950s as a single mother. Our grandfather was a homeless alcoholic. No one in the immediate family ever talked about him. Occasionally, the phone would ring in the middle of the night with a call from the local ER. Our mother refused to answer the phone. Our father despised our grandfather, but would take the call, go to the hospital, and do something. We never knew what. Our grandfather died on the street after I had graduated from college and moved to Boston. Nana paid all his funeral expenses. She asked our mother to have him buried in the family plot next to our father. Our mother was beside herself, but granted Nana's wish because of her devotion to her own mother. After I grew up and had started a family of my own, I talked with Nana about this dark part of her life story. She told me without judgment. Leo was a troubled soul and I forgave him long ago. The Lord works in mysterious ways. We can't understand them sometimes, but we can learn to accept them. Lesson three. 
Her faith was not part of my theology, but I have always revered Nana for being the consummate source of grace. It has been woven into the fabric of my personal journey. Here is one story that illuminates this life lesson. On the morning of September 4th, 1988, I woke up to lightning bolts across the sky, ear-splitting cracks of thunder, and a steady deluge of rain. I was crestfallen. This was not an ordinary day. It was my wedding day. Though my partner and I had carefully planned every detail for an outdoor ceremony, we knew that if the forecast held, we would have to move to plan B, an indoor ceremony at the same venue. Logically, I knew where we were headed. Emotionally, I was a basket case. I knew immediately what I had to do. I called Nana, who was staying at a nearby hotel with my mother, sister, and her family. Nana, I sobbed uncontrollably. What are we going to do? She replied serenely. It's okay. Do you remember what I told you when you were little and afraid of thunder and lightning? On any other day, I might have, but not on this day. No, I said meekly, I have no idea. It's the angels bowling, she replied joyfully. Every time you hear a loud boom, it means an angel just got a strike. And you know how much we love strikes. I started laughing immediately. This was one of Nana's many gifts. She had taken the weight of the world off my shoulders with a simple story. By the time we arrived at the venue, a couple of hours later, the rain had stopped and the sun had come out. Nana greeted me with her huge trademark hug and said, you look wonderful, sweetheart. Did you look up in the sky? I was so preoccupied, I hadn't even glimpsed. She kissed me on the cheek and continued, there is a rainbow behind the clouds. And there it was, though I never did see the leprechaun or pot of gold. Lesson three, choose kindness. Nana worked in the office of a local florist for almost 40 years with another woman named Frida. They answered the phones, took orders, created the bills for customers, and invoices for vendors, and made sure everyone was paid on time. In today's business parlance, they would be called office administrators. Nana and Fria called themselves secretaries. By the time I started high school, Nana had moved out of our house and found a small apartment near where she worked. Some of my fondest memories are from when our parents had to go to a time 
a social event for one of the many community organizations our father was involved in. Our parents would drop my sister and me off at Nana's work. We would drive to Nana's, make dinner and ice cream sodas, stay up late watching TV, and while cuddling in our pajamas, beg Nana to tell us a clown. Stories woven from nothing. I have no memory of their content, but I deeply remember my overwhelming feelings of love, joy, and safety. Nana remained very active until her late 80s. She drove her neighbors to church on Saturday afternoons and bingo on Wednesday nights, played in an all-female duck pin bowling league, saw her beloved Red Sox break the curse and win two more world championships. When Nana was 92, she visited our uncle and suffered a never diagnosed neurological event. This led to a hospitalization, ill-fated respite with our mother, and over-medication with opioids that were killing her. Rescuing Nana from that horrible doctor, seeing her committed to a detox ward, and visiting her there are some of the most scarring experiences of my life. When Nana emerged from detox, she moved into a skilled nursing home. She threw herself into all the activities, made friends with fellow residents and staff alike, was named homecoming queen many times over, and represented the facility on the governor's council. I typically visited Nana on Sundays after my morning soccer games. We would take a long drive without a destination, end up at a restaurant or drive-in, and finish our meal with ice cream and hot fudge. She always asked for the maraschino cherry and whipped cream. Nana's shared room was at one end of the building, two long corridors and a short corridor from the main entrance. Every time we walked in a later wheelchair down the hall, Nana would stop and say hello to everyone, offering them some kind words. She would compliment an item of their clothing, haircut, or smile, mention the previous night's ball game, anything to make them know they were seen and loved. One day we arrived at the front door and a nurse ran up to Nana out of breath. Catherine, she gasped, I need to ask you an important question. Nana glanced up at me with an impish, what did I do now kind of look. Stephanie inquired, every time I see you going down the hallway, you stop and say hello to everyone, even people who are hard of hearing or deaf, asleep, or just not really all here. You almost give the women a kiss on the cheek and you always give the men a kiss on the lips. 
Why do you do that? Oh dear, that's an easy one, Nana replied with a coquettish blush. I kiss the women on the cheek so they know someone loves them. I kiss the men on the lips so they know that too, and they feel it, and so do I. My dear spiritual companions, all of us have people who have influenced and continue to shape our lives. Some are momentary flashes of light and some are constellations. Whatever you learn from others, take these lessons into the fabric of your being and weave your own authentic story with your own cloth. My Nana taught me three most valuable life lessons. Make your bed, there is a rainbow behind the clouds, and choose kindness. Ask yourself what Mary Oliver asks in the summer day. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So may it be. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.